Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be recapping the Thunder's latest game against the Minnesota Timberwolves and I'm going to be doing a deep dive on not just Isaiah Roby but one of the tales we have seen with the Thunder's rotation amidst their two-year rebuild. So I'll talk Roby, talk their rotation, and talk the future uh, on what we could see with the franchise. And to wrap things all up, I'll be having a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things out with Friday's game. And you could almost preface this um, with what we saw in the G League, actually, because one of the interesting parts about the Thunder is how their schedules aligned. The Oklahoma City Blue share the same arena. They play in the Paycom Center. The previous venue they are in got sold off to a movie studio, so they don't have a spot. They got to play same arena, same day, and that happened to be one of those times on Friday. The one thing, the two-way guys, they're all with the Thunder. All the guys that have been assignments are also on the Thunder, so they didn't have anybody to transfer over. However, on the Timberwolves side, they actually had their G League team on their Friday matchup as well in the Paycom. So it worked out in a very strange way, but you had both G League teams playing in the same arena as their NBA team, same day. Iowa was able to gut out a win against the Blue. Lots of interior presence. DJ Wilson is with the Raptors right now. He just got waived, but he wasn't there. Olivier Saar has been gone. Robert Woodard II just signed a two-way deal with the Kings. So they didn't have a center. Jalen Horde's been playing center, actually. And one of their guys, Nathan Knight, second game in his G League career, dropped 33 points. And Leandro Balmoreau, he also went off. They actually played not just in the G League game, but also the NBA game that you ended up seeing. And there were a lot of fireworks that came in the NBA contest. One of the biggest storylines surrounded around Isaiah Roby. Came off of 26 points in the last game. That's a career high for him. Faced up against one of the better, if not the best center in the league in Nikola Jokic. Had to face up against Carl Anthony Towns in this one. And he was up and running. No signs of weakness. He started this game out by dropping 11 points in the first quarter for OKC. And they were up and running. I think he started 3 of 3 for 7 of 11 points. Might have swung his way. Uh, But he gave him a really good fighting chance on the onset of this one. And with Carl Anthony Towns... He's a big guy, not bigger than Roby. Give and take here. He finished with 12 points in the first quarter, but it was a big feeling out process, and OKC was actually leading through one. 34 to 32 is what rung up there. SGA and Roby actually both had 13 points, so take him up to Roby was looking excellent, shooting four of five and five of five from the foul line. Ken just had to play that two-man game. Same goes with Minnesota. Cat had 12. Jaden McDaniels had 10. And it opened up a second quarter where, you know, this was a tight, tight matchup. However, that changed in the second quarter. 
45 points to Minnesota's name. They outscored OKC 45 to 26 in the frame, had a double-digit lead riding into halftime, and they were shooting at an insane clip. 16 of 22. That's 72.7% from the floor, and they went 8 of 10 from downtown. Top to bottom, they were not missing their shots. And for OKC, they shot pretty well as well. They shot 10 of 20, 5 of 10 from 3, didn't get to the foul line, that's still pretty damn efficient for them. It was just a matter of defensive ability, which was non-existent in that patch of 12 minutes. So Minnesota was looking very good going into the second half of play. As I mentioned, they were already up double figures, had 77 points. OKC only had 60 there. So they needed to make a really big stand in the third quarter. And honestly, it really was not there. They couldn't stop them in the third quarter. Fourth quarter rolled around, and it was really just Dagnault throwing out his bench unit. Minnesota was throwing out their bench unit. Really high-scoring venture. I think Minnesota had 108 points by the end of three quarters. OKC averages roughly like 102 per game, uh, if that gives you any backbone to what we're talking about here. But yeah, I mean, Dagnault threw in the towel early. You saw guys like Olivier Saar, Teo, Lindy Waters, and Credci close out the game. You didn't see much of SGA. Isaiah Roby, he was already looking amazing through three quarters. You didn't really see uh, all that much of him, at least from a shooting perspective. But yeah, that's how this one capped off. Not a great fourth quarter for them. They went 5 of 19, only 14 points. Minnesota. They dropped a 30-piece in that frame, so they won by 37, 138-101, to 101, straight up blowout going in Minnesota's direction, pretty big win for them, and then for OKC, you know, they get that big loss after, you know, two previous contests, and really the last contest where that might have been their best game of the season, beating the Denver Nuggets like handedly, that was big time with no center wasn't the same case in this game that's why Nathan Knight and Leandro Balmoro got to see the court two times on Friday but you know you just kind of keep it moving there one of the good things though from this game was that there were a pair of positive stories for Oklahoma City and when you look at the box score it's not going to sway in OKC's direction right like they shot 43% from the field Minnesota shot 55%, 47% from three. OKC shot 26%. They shot 55% on Wednesday from downtown. Uh, so it's not great from a team aspect. And when you go into the individuals, Minnesota, they were spreading the love like crazy. Nas Reed, 8 for 8, 20 points in 18 minutes. He's always a menace against OKC. Carl Anthony Towns also had 20 points to his name. Jaden McDaniels was 16. D'Angelo Russell was 17. Beasley had 15. Terion Prince had 18. Just lots of double-digit scores. And Oklahoma City, I couldn't really say much of that. Now, you got to keep in mind, they only had nine players. There were so many guys out. Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins. list kind of goes on there. Uh, but they were only able to field four double-digit scores with a really shrunken down rotation. Poku had 12 on 4 of 10 shooting. Trey Mann, he continued his hot streak. 15 points on 5 of 13 
but those were not the stars of the show. Start things out with SGA, 33 points in 30 minutes. He didn't play fourth quarter because it was a blowout, but I mean, he was dealing with insane amounts of pressure in the first three quarters. Minnesota knew that OKC wasn't hitting their threes, so what do you do? You start hedging, you start bringing guys down from the corner, and in SGA's case, he was looking to go right into them and produce some buckets. 14 of 21 on the night, 4 of 5 from the foul line. When you exclude the three-point arc, he ended up shooting 13 of 18 on twos. And when you isolate it even further into what he was doing just inside the paint, he went 11 of 14. Elite driving ability on a roster where You're able, as a defense, to close in on SGA. You're able to allow guys to pop from the corner. They're historically bad on catch-and-shoots. We know this. They are, I think, dead last since they began tracking catch-and-shoot statistics. So you want to give the risk. And in SGA's case, you know, why risk it when he has a lane? Even through multiple defenders, he's able to wiggle his way into good opportunities. He's able to wiggle his way into a game-high 33 points. Special. Very special from him. He's played five games since his return from his injury. Four out of those five, he's dropped 30-plus. And the one where he didn't drop 30, he was about a shot or two away from it. So he's been averaging about 30 a game. And he has been that clear-cut number one option for Mark Dagnalt. But what do you do for surfacing that second option? You don't have Josh Giddy, You don't have Lou Dort. Even some critical guys that could pop off like a Mike Muscala or Kendrick Williams are nowhere to be found on the roster. Baisley could potentially be that guy. He sent up a major stinker. He only had two points in the game. So he had to look towards the trusty man in Isaiah Roby. 26 in the last game, followed it up with 21 points. When you're looking at his two highest career scoring outputs, they came within 48 hours of each other, had 19 points in his first career start against the Orlando Magic last year. He didn't top it after that point. Even when he was starting, he never got back up to 19 in a week He's able to get that from, you know, being his number one to his number three on the all-time list. Great work from Isaiah. Look at that major first quarter from him. He was pioneering the offense. You're going to see him four or five from the field, five or five from the foul line. Dude was not shying away from Carl Anthony Towns for a split second. Man has been hungry. He hasn't been in the rotation. You have to build something, and you got to plead your case did it yet again, and to top it all off, he was able to get it done on the glass as well, third double-double of the season for Isaiah here, 21 points and 10 rebounds, had five assists on Wednesday, only had one in this game, but oh my goodness, has he been impressive over the last week, break down the numbers of those last two games, 23 and a half points, 8.5 boards, and three assists come out to the averages, while shooting 57.1% and 5 of 8 from distance, 62.5% from the floor. It's going to be a big conversation whenever Jeremiah Robinson Earl comes back, because Roby has looked 
excellent offensively. When you look at the defense, it's tough, right? Because his centers that he's matched up against have dropped 20 pieces, and they've done it uh, pretty easily, I I would say. You got to always look through the finer details, though. Hasn't played against those mediocre centers in a hot minute as a starter. And he hasn't faced like a Laurie Markkinen or something where he actually destroyed Markkinen last year when they matched up. So there's multiple different types of players you'll find at the five spot. He's ran into two really bad apples for what he's trying to do this last week. But he's been able to crush both of them up. Loved what I've seen from Isaiah. The ability for him to not just finish inside, but also pop it from downtown makes him a really good player. And looks like he hasn't lost a beat from last year. If not, he might have actually improved uh, from all facets. So gets that conversation rolling. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I talked to him yesterday after the Oklahoma State game. He was sitting courtside. Told me it'd be a couple more weeks before he's back. We'll see how much truth there would be to that. That fits the timeline of the six to eight weeks uh, we heard last month. But yeah, sounds like he'll have probably seven, eight more games before you get him back in the mix. And I think that's when you really get the conversation stirring on his case and what the rotation could look like moving forward. And I actually want to talk a little bit more about the rotation, more about Roby in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. But guys, moving right along to the Isaiah Roby chat. Last two games, who's been the talk of the town? Obviously, SGA's been up there, right? But the surprise has been Isaiah Roby. He has not been able to play consistently on this team, but when he does play, he's pretty damn good. And it made me want to reopen a case that I actually put out in December over at SI Thunder 
on just what's going on with Roby because he didn't start really on the rotation. He, he played maybe the first three or four games before JRE took his starting gig and slowly but surely he was phased out. But with COVID back on the rise, he got his opportunity in December, played extremely well, but he wasn't able to field consistent minutes from it. So I just want to look at kind of the history with him, uh, what we've seen and what we could see in the future. So you look at Roby. He was picked up uh, by the Dallas Mavericks two seasons ago, actually three seasons ago, via the draft. 45th pick. He's actually uh, the most highly paid, or at least at the time, he was the most highly paid second rounder out of the draft class. They made a really nice deal with him. Pistons traded him over for like a second round pick or whatever. And then the injury bug hit Roby. He didn't play. For the Mavs, he played with the Texas Legends, and then a trade was made two seasons ago where Justin Patton, the dominant force in the G League, got traded with a second round pick, I believe, for Isaiah Roby. And for Dallas, I think they just kind of wanted to cut ties with Roby. Patton also is going to give you some, some ability in terms of rebounding inside. He's a decent uh, center you know you can probably pull him up into the NBA ranks and he he can feel decent minutes right like he's not gonna be anything special but that's kind of what you're getting into so they went for a safe play with the five if they needed one Roby gets sent off to OKC plays a couple games with a blue but he's still hurt so he didn't play in the OKC's uh, bubble he didn't go to Orlando kind of just chilled and we saw him return in December against the Orlando Magic and this is where everything sort of starts out here didn't play the first couple games then Al Horford gets his first little strand of load management where you know they're trying to rest the man up to restore the trade value starts first starting matchup is Nikola Busevich and he played extremely well this was the game I talked about earlier 19 points and 7 rebounds. 9 of 12 from the field on that. And there was a lot to talk about. He looked good in the preseason with Teo. Didn't get to play the first week. Jumps in an NBA game. And he was arguably one of the top three guys on the court for OKC that night. And from then on, Dagnall kind of knew who his second in command was at the center spot. If Horford wasn't out there... He was going to roll out Isaiah Roby, and they just go straight up small ball. And he ended up playing a good amount of minutes. Averaged 8.7 points, 5.6 boards, and 1.8 assists last year. Playing 23.4 minutes. Starting about 30, 36 games. And it looked like, based on those numbers, he'd still be a part of the rotation moving into this season once training camp darling who a lot of people suspected would be gone uh, by that 15-man roster now look like a pretty good prospect that you could kind of mold now he's out of the rotation and the only chances he's gotten to play was due to injuries big reason why the draft okc rolled into last year's draft with a ton of draft capital Six picks in all, six 
16, 18, 34, 36, 55. Had it all across the board, and you had a lot of food on the plate if you wanted to consolidate and make a trade. Lots of people thought OKC would try to climb up the board to get a center. Did not do so. People thought they'd get Book Knight, Kuminga. Nope. They went with Josh Giddy, and then they sat until pick number 16 without a center, a position that they really needed to get. Just traded away Moses Brown as well. They didn't have any centers. Horford was gone. Brown was gone. Tony Bradley put him in a Bulls jersey. They had to get one. And Alperin Sengun was on the board. Lots of people thought he was a lottery prospect. And he was right there for the taking. Instead, Presti traded him away for two future first round picks. And at pick 18, they got a steal in Trey Mann. Still no centers going into the second round. Looked more and more probable that Roby would still have his position as a small ball five. Then that second round rolls around. Presti had his man, and they had it in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Traded 34 and 36 to trade a pick number 32. Literally hopped one team to get him. That's a very high price to pay, but they took JRE, and they've just been going with it ever since. With Jeremiah Robinson Earl, there was a new competition sort of on the horizon, but you didn't see much of a pecking order going into the regular season. It was kind of just shuffling the deck on who got minutes. Uh, but then you saw Jeremiah Robinson Earl kind of come into the fold. Four games into the season, JRE got a start and there was no looking back. 36 of his last 40 games, he was the starter for Oklahoma City. And you just break it down, right? Like, this was the correct decision, at least in my eyes, because JRE and Roby do similar things. They're both 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, I think Roby might have a one inch down on his name, but kind of same build. They're small ball fives. They played three and four in college. Kind of step out from three off that pick and pop. They have a bit of speed to them on the roll. Kind of just glue them in there as your makeshift five who can space it out. And when you look at what the Thunder want and you look at kind of their blueprint, they're going to want to chase the younger guys. JRE started this year at 20. He's now 21. Roby's now 24. If you're breaking it down on who has the higher ceiling, probably go in JRE's direction. So you want to give him more opportunities. That's what they did. And he's been doing pretty good, right? Like he's averaging 7.1 points, 5.8 boards, one assist, and he's shooting 33.8% from distance. It's pretty damn good for this Thunder roster, all things considered. And to begin the regular season, he was one of the best rookie prospects out there. He had an honorable mention uh, for the first Rookie of the Month award, which obviously ended up going to Josh Giddy. The one other thing, though, is Roby was still there. JRE now has that starting gig, and you got Favors and Muscala as your number two and number three, I guess you could say. You obviously want to play Isaiah, right? But the small ball five spot, it's kind of something where you don't want to overdo it. It's probably not going to be the safest decision to play JRE 
and Isaiah for like 40 out of your 48 center minutes because you're going to run into the Vuceviches, the Carl Anthony Towns, the Jokic's pretty often on your schedule. Just seven footers uh, in general are going to be at the five spot and they're going to be taking it inside. That's a huge detriment and can't overindulge in it. So they cut him off from the center spot. They put Favors there. They put Muscala there. Started to see the power forward spot get eaten up by Bays, Poku, small forward spot. Kind of same old, same old. He wasn't able to crack the rotation, and they threw him into the OKC blue after a couple weeks of just keeping him on the sidelines. He looked great with the OKC blue. Dude averaged a double-double, 16.5 points, 12 rebounds, and 3.5 assists, and he got his spot back to begin December. Had a really good week. This is kind of the time where I I sent that initial article out where I'm like, hey, look at the numbers. Look at his production. He's not that shabby. But then in a week's time, get guys off the COVID list. He's sent right back down and gets put in this purgatory almost where he's too good for the G League, but there's just not that opportunity available for him in the NBA. So it's been tough, but... He got his second win about three weeks ago. JRE got that metatarsal injury. Got to see Favors out of the rotation. Muscala's out of the rotation. OKC didn't have any options at center. So what'd they do? They tried mitigating the blow. Got Poku back up. Olivier Sar gets inked to that two-way deal. And then you get Isaiah Roby back as one of your starting centers. And he has clearly outshined the pack at the five spot Wednesday already broke it down face to face with Nikola Jokic drops 26 points seven boards five assists one of the main reasons their six game winning streak went to a close had an amazing quick first step got him on the roll multiple times and when he popped out off the high ball screen he went four of five had two back to back catch and shoot threes from the right corner and those were just the killer blows where you knew Isaiah Roby was on something you knew the whole team was on something and that's why they were infectious from deep that day and same goes for Friday Carl Anthony Towns pretty freaking legit 17 of the first or excuse me 11 of the first 17 points 21 and 10 in all and the starting numbers look really good folks in 12 games as the starter he's averaged 11.3 points 6.4 rebounds and 1.3 assists efficiency might even top it he shot 52.1 percent overall and 58.3 percent from distance 14 of 24 from out there so has way better numbers than a lot of his teammates, not just scoring-wise, but shooting-wise as well. Look at some of the other guys. Darius Baisley, he's averaged 9.2 points. Wiggins, 8.8 points. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 7.6 points. And Favors is there at 7.2. Roby, 
has earned his stripes this year. And as long as Jeremiah's out, he's going to get the minutes. As long as you see Favors and Muscala still out, he's going to be the starter. Question comes in when JRE returns. It's not certain he gets minutes because even though this is the best two-game span he's had in his career, he had a great stretch in December, and it was all for nothing almost. He had to get sent back down. So, how is Mark Dagnall going to address it? Honestly, I couldn't break it down for you. I can't give you my call on it because it's up to management. If it's up to me and maybe some of you guys, I'd want to keep him in the rotation to some extent. But it's a very big issue that OKC has to deal with right now. And it might be a theme that we'll be talking about not just now, but maybe next year as the Thunder continue to pile up assets. OKC has one of the biggest war chests in the NBA. They have 38 draft picks until 2028, and 19 of them are first-round picks. We know for a fact Oklahoma City is not going to be using all 38 of these draft picks, right? When they feel comfortable in contention, they're going to start sending these selections out. They're going to consolidate for players, and they're going to make their all-in push. However, Until we get to that point, there's going to be a lot of new guys coming in and out of that roster, and it's going to lead to some tough decisions like what we've seen with Isaiah. When you kind of rewind, same thing with Teo, where he goes from the minute leader to a guy having to work his way back up through the G League. Teo's is a bit more understandable. He lost it. With Roby, I think he's been a constant this entire time. So it makes you wonder, you know, what's going to happen with some of these other guys stored away in the rotation. When I highlight some of these young young guys who, you know, they've looked good, but they might not be entirely safe. Look at a guy like Ty Drum. Look at someone like Vic Kretschy. When you start getting lots of talent through the draft class, you know, the 48 minutes are going to look a lot smaller than what it actually is. I like looking at examples such as like an Omer Yurt 7 or something. He's averaging around 14 minutes for the Heat when he does play. When he plays defensively, dude's flat-footed, right? Like, he's going to be difficult to uh, defend screens consistently. However, man's dropping double-doubles. He's very effective, and you put him on the Thunder, I'm sure he jumps from 20 or 14 minutes to like 25. You know, look at Moses Brown. Dude was starting. He was putting up numbers. Now he's out of the league. The Thunder have not had to deal with many kind of crossroads where not everybody gets a slice of the pizza. Everyone has gotten it so far in terms of minutes. I think the Roby case is really the first one we've seen this year and in the last two years where there's someone that undoubtedly is a talented player, but he's kind of being shunned away uh, in the rotation. JRE is going to be your stretch five. Got to have those consistent centers. Baze and Poku, they need their minutes And then at small forward, whoever you want to call it, Giddy or Dort, they're taking a lot of minutes. Kenrich Williams is playing there. Aaron Wiggins is there. And so is Vit Kredge. So it's a lot of crunching down, and you can't give everyone their due share. Roby has sadly been that guy, but if he keeps trending upwards, maybe he forces Dagnall's hand into giving him another shot. He's going to be on a cheap contract next year. He's on a team option for the fourth year. So for $2 million, 
might as well take it unless you know you have other plans um, in that regard. But we'll have to check it out. I think the biggest thing is what happens over the course of the next two, three weeks when JRE comes back and what Isaiah is able to do with the extended time. Because so far, he's been one of the top three, maybe two players post-All-Star break. And it's pretty damn serious for a guy who just two months ago was having to claw out in the G League. So that's kind of my take on it. If you guys have any other takes, uh, have a different take on what that issue or if it even is an issue in the rotation, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up at my personal Twitter, at Ben Kreider, or you guys can hit me up on the pod's Twitter account, at ThunderstickPod. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.